Kate. Hi Carla, thank you for having me. Oh, finally. This is like the fifth time, right, that we yeah. tried to record this. Things kept getting in the way. Me, trains, everything. Me. Yeah, yeah you, you, you were to blame for at least one of them. I know. Uh, most of them were on me. Yeah, so thank you so much for being here. So today we're going to be talking about a very, very exciting topic. Oh, yes. GDPR and e-privacy, or I don't know if it's the same thing or different, but that's why we have Kate here. So uh, Kate is from Google. Um, she's actually a colleague of mine. We work really close together. Um, but I'm going to ask you, Kate, to introduce yourself and just tell you know, our listeners who you are. Who are you, Kate? Sure. Who am I? Yeah, good question. Uh, so I'm Kate. I work in Google UK. My day-to-day job is looking after agencies, uh, trying to preach the good word of the Google marketing platform. It used to be called DoubleClick. Before I joined Google, it been three years, I spent around 10 years working in ad agencies. So mm-hmm. I've gone from being the buyer to the seller, from the, the good to the bad. I'm joking. Google's good. <laughs> yeah, Google's really good. Yeah. The food is amazing. Yeah, the food's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so talking about GDPR and e-privacy, mm-hmm. is it the same thing? No, as a different. They're different. So I was actually trying to get this straight in my head yesterday doing my research for this. Uh, so <laughs> uh, again, I apologies if I get this a little bit wrong, but GDPR is a regulation, as the name suggests, it's General Data Protection Regulation. Uh, regulations are different to directives. I have a law degree. I studied EU oh. law about twelve years ago. Can't remember a word of it. I know the difference <laughs> 12 years ago, but God help me now. So a regulation, I believe, is often left up to the interpretation of the member state. So okay. there are certain general rules about it, but for the most part, the state can have some input into how they want to interpret GDPR to an extent. Obviously, the EU will step in if they see people taking it a little bit too seriously slash not seriously enough. Whereas the directive, e-privacy, is overarching. So there is no wiggle room. The directive is you do this or we come down upon you very hard. Okay. So e-privacy is actually when it comes. So uh, as far as I'm aware, last January, January 2017, the EU came up with its first draft. And what happens with these laws, these regulations, is there's many iterations. Mm -hmm. So the first one... They release it and everyone goes, what is that? (laughs) Absolutely not. They get challenged all over the place. And then they start to refine it until eventually it emerges as some semi-formed thing like GDPR. Whereas e-privacy, when the first draft came out, it was shat upon Mm. by all the member states because it it does some some good things. I mean, overall, both of these regulations and directives, they're trying to do a good thing, but they're very heavy-handed. So e-privacy is seen by a lot of companies as the death toll for the um, the cookie, for example. Okay. And the cold cookie thing is a part of GDPR, a part of e-privacy. It's actually a very small part, but it's what everyone focuses upon, especially us working in ad tech. I mean, GDPR has killed a lot of smaller companies who rely on the cookie. They see the way it's going as we say they see the way is cookie the cookie is crumbling uh-huh. <laughs> cookie puns uh, cookie so e privacy is probably going to yeah pull the rug under from a lot of companies who are very cookie reliant oh okay so okay so it is then different from 
So, you know, from a user perspective, I remember years ago, we started getting all these cookie messages mm-hmm. and, and then saying accepting of that. And now we have different types of messages right now, which yeah. are more like GDPR related. So what is, what is the differences between the two? So one thing that's interesting about e-privacy, like interesting is in the very kind of, uh, <laughs> it's the wrong word to use for e-privacy because none of it's interesting. But um, the more interesting part of this very boring topic is that, so as you say, years ago, uh, a user would have to accept cookies or decline cookies uh, for any purposes. Whereas e-privacy does allow uh, websites that use cookies for what they call legitimate reasons not to have that disclaimer. The problem is, what is a legitimate reason? So marketing, in no one's eyes, would ever count as um, a proper reason for having this cookie consent. But mm-hmm. The problem is, is that a lot of people who run websites, they rely on advertising to make money. Personalised advertising does generate more revenue because if someone knows that you're a man into extreme sports who also loves green shoes, mm-hmm. that ad will do much better than you receiving a potted plant ad. You have no interest in that at all. So it makes more money for the website because they're seen as a more desirable site if when your average media person is doing their report and they say, oh, Kate's website is so, so personalised, they're making so many sales, let's put more budget into that website. Mm-hmm. The pro- so that that is like a proper reason to to use personalized advertising. But advertising is the the black sheep of the world. There are some companies who <laughs> everyone I, hates it. Right? Yeah, well, there, there are some companies that I, I'm not going to name. One rhymes with shittio, who have absolutely changed people's perceptions of advertising because yeah. that is your old cliche of yeah. the shoe ad following you around until you eventually die. Until that death, you do see the pair of red shoes from office that you never ended up buying. Yeah, but that is not actually what advertising is about. When it's done well, you don't notice it. And that's the point. There's a lot of websites that do it beautifully, a lot of publishers who do it beautifully. Yeah. But there are some who have ruined it for the rest of us. I know. And then, I mean, to be honest, when I worked in UX and I did quite a lot of research on like people's behaviors, people's perceptions about like e-commerce sites and like shopping, etc., people love personalization. They don't say, I love personalization. They say, I love relevance, right? And you can achieve that. But once you talk to them about personalization as a concept, they're like, oh, but that's creepy. And that's advertising. They're just trying to sell to me. So it's kind of like this, you know, people want more personalized experiences, but they're not really willing to actually provide more data. Yeah, it it has a, a bad reputation. And I think what a lot of people don't know is that they see the standard as personalization. If it was less personalized, they'd hate it. Like, I logged into your website. How don't you remember that I've never been to your surfboard section? All I've ever done is go to your you know, longboard section. That is annoying. But they don't see that as personalization. It all comes, it's all like double, two sides of the same coin. So cookies will allow, when you log into a website, to see that you had this in your basket, you previously browsed this. That's a good experience. Yeah, the ad side of things is seen as a bad experience. And actually, they're so connected. I know. That, but again, there are some websites or some um, companies, rather, who have made it very difficult to make this argument because it's seen as, like, you know, the people who call you up and they say, have you had an accident at work that wasn't your fault? How did you get my data? Mm. Oh, you, you didn't tick a box one time three years ago and you've been sold to us by 50 different companies. That is the very negative side. Yeah. There's also the positive side. 
But the onus is on companies like Google, Facebook, any other big tech company or small tech company to create a good experience. So it's not the customer's fault they've had a bad experience. It's all the bad actors who piled into the ecosystem, taking advantage of these lax laws and, yeah, coming in hard. And unfortunately, it's made customers very weary and very wary of um, of cookie-related information. Yeah, and I think what we, what we can see is that people, if, if you ask people about, you know, um, their data and whether or not they're willing to share the data, they're normally quite reluctant to it. Um, do you think that's going to change, especially now with GDPR and, you know, everything that's happened, the Facebook, you know, problems and all these things. Um, do you think um, it's going to get to a point that people, are, like, basically, you're going to, we, you know, companies and advertisers are going get to let, get less data? from consumers or do you think it's just going to get better so one of the things that we've been saying about gdpr to the market is that really it's a good thing because it creates better data it's not Mm -hmm. people giving you unconsented maybe out of date crap information it's actually highly relevant and it's people who want to be reached by you the problem is though is that the way gdpr has been interpreted by a lot of companies it's a nod to the regulation, but it's not in the spirit of it at all. I mean, GDPR at its core is don't use someone's data unless they give explicit consent. But your average person, or actually even me, I'm an average person, but I know more about <laughs> this than the average person. If I go on a website and there's two options, there's it says, we use your cookies for some staff, find out more or accept. I'm going to click accept because I want to find that information yeah. straight away. I'm not going to go to a separate site and be like, oh, yes, Antiquitio by Do Love Google Analytics. And no one really does that. There were some websites, I think the Daily Mail, they had, uh, they were quite, either depending on who you spoke to, they were either praised or insulted for their GDPR approach, which was if you say decline, then it gives you a whole list of all all of their their tags, all of their, their partner companies. And you could just go through and untick or tick the ones that you want to have your data. Mm-hmm. But no one knows who these companies are. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is that you don't mind having Google Analytics with your data, maybe. You definitely don't mind the website having your data. But then you see all of these exchanges, all these other people, like who the hell are these? That's yeah. the problem. But because customers don't often see these these lists, they'll just click accept because like, I want to read the Guardian. I don't want to have to dick around with unticking boxes. Then actually the data is largely unaffected at the moment. What we're waiting for mm-hmm. is for the EU to come down very hard on someone who is intentionally breaching it. And that's one of the other things about GDPR is that if you are a small website owner, and you don't really understand GDPR, but maybe you put a cookie consent banner on, that's enough. Enough is showing that you're trying to yeah. stick with it. Companies like like ourselves, like Google, like Facebook, Amazon, they're not going to get away with that because we're not some tiny uh, one-man band thinking like, I think this is the law. We have our hundreds of lawyers who've been investigating this, researching this for, for years, like five years. So if we say, oh, I didn't know, that doesn't work. Mm. So what everyone is waiting for is for the EU eventually to say to a big company, what you did was unacceptable. Or to say, I know that this was seen as a bad thing, but actually we reviewed you and that was fine. Because no one knows what GDPR is at the moment. Yeah, because even I, I remember when GDPR was happening, um, which I think it was the time where we were planning to do this interview. Yes, yeah, it, was, it was relevant six months ago. <laughs> um, 
there was this massive expectation of people saying, oh, I'm going to start getting less um, yeah. uh, ads or I'm going to start getting less spammy emails. But really, things haven't changed. I actually thought it was the opposite. Lots of emails are like asking, looking from companies you, asking you, please, <laughs> let me stay on your mail. But that, yeah, I'll keep you on you the mailing sometimes. list. Yeah. When, um, I think it was Space NK, they bribed people to stay on their mailing list. You got a £5 voucher. I stayed on their mailing list. <laughs> and it did for a while. It had an effect. So I get a lot of calls from numbers I don't recognise. I don't answer numbers I don't recognise. You want to speak to me, you leave a voicemail. What I'll do is I'll then Google the number and it will say something like, oh, it, like who called me? me.com and it will have like a harassment rate and for a while I was getting loads of these calls from PPI companies have you had an accident at work that wasn't your fault yeah. these ones but then um they stopped after GDPR oh, okay. yeah. and they have come back with a vengeance I think because the regulations are seen as not having as much teeth as they might otherwise have because okay. there hasn't been a high profile case of someone really really messing up and there are so many good things that came out of GDPR so that you have to a, a appoint a DPO for example a data protection officer if you're in a company above a certain size and I think actually correct me if I'm wrong world but um there was actually you should have had one before GDPR yeah it was a good idea it wasn't enforced where GDPR said if you have to and then these companies started having conversations that really we should have been having years ago and the problem we then had was everyone had their own opinion. Mm. So Google had its own framework. I'm sure Facebook, Amazon, other tech companies did. IAB got involved with their framework that came out quite late. Not to get not to shit on them, but we then have to make certain um, uh, changes towards our approach because obviously we want to to go with what's best for the customer. But every market interpreted it differently as well. There's no, I think the idea was that the DPOs within the UK, within Germany, within France, Belgium, whatever, they had to agree. But our approach to it could be completely different to the Spanish one. Mm -hmm. And that's the point is that it's a regulation, not a directive. So we, there is an element of interpretation. The company, the, the country has to come together mm -hmm. with its interpretation, but I don't mean I've, I've only experienced the UK's approach to GDPR and it's been a bit rubbish because I mean everyone's waiting for yeah. the, the big fool guy and unfortunately it's going to be Google or it's going to be Facebook, <laughs> Facebook and they have their own problems at the moment of course and, and so are we but and there have been loads of claims made as well there was that uh, oh, I can't remember who, the name of the guy but um, these people who they, they were waiting for GDPR to become law and then they instantly submitted all of their oh you know uh, Google um, Android phones are collecting the wrong kind of data uh, okay. Facebook didn't have these kinds of things in place that it should have they were just waiting but there was a huge load of noise about in the media about that but then again you hear nothing and whether it's because the EU is collecting them all and going through them and they maybe they've got their best minds on it mm -hmm. or it could just be that it's fallen flat and again until that person is dragged over the coals and like strung up in the town center we're not we're not going to see an impact of gdpr yeah i pray to god it's not google but it's very likely to be us or one of the other tech giants unfortunately yeah so that's that's interesting isn't it because um you know as you mentioned before the you know the, the person or the people like building a website at the moment a small website and just like trying their best to be compliant are they actually going to see any impact uh, or any they do what's the impact or do you think that's going to be more on the big players so i think the big players are bigger targets they're yeah. softer targets as well 
everyone's like they know that every every big company's done something that has treaded the line or even crossed the line of being non-privacy um, safe. Um, a small company, I don't think, or a small website owner, little to be concerned about with GDPR at the moment. You take some very angry customer to report a small place for a breach of what they see as a breach of, of their privacy. But e-privacy goes much further. So okay. e-privacy is seen as the death of the cookie. You've got the likes of Safari, Firefox as well, announcing their intent. Well, Fi- Safari already have. They've um, made it so uh, third-party cookies are instantly rejected. So if you are not a, a first-party cookie dropper, you get no information from a user who is working their way around Safari. I think 30% of the UK, anyway, use mm-hmm. Safari. I mean, I have an iPhone. I, I use it. I went to iOS 11. shouldn't have done. I should have, like, you know, been like, no, cookies <laughs> for life. But I did. Uh, Firefox have also announced that they are willing to do that. I'm mm-hmm. sure others are going to follow suit. That makes it difficult if we're trying to make money off... If, if, let's say I'm a content creator mm-hmm. and I have a very popular blog and uh, wishful thinking and then uh, I rely on advertising to um, support my website if someone can't track a sale made from an ad on my website I'm not getting paid or I'm not seeing it as a desirable site that is where the impact happens so if you can't okay. drop cookies it's very difficult to prove as a small guy that you are worth investing in uh, Google and Facebook both have their logged in users. We have this huge footprint that doesn't rely on the cookies. It's a logged in user. Okay. The advantage is there for the small players. You've already seen a lot of companies, unfortunately, go under. I say unfortunately, some of them deserve to go under. But a lot of them were trying to do, just trying to make advertising better for the mm-hmm. consumer. But because they relied so much upon uh, third party cookies or there's no way in hell a customer would ever consent to giving this company their data because they've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. We've been um, working in media, we've heard of them, but your average person is like, who the hell is this person? Why do they want my data? They see, it's very difficult to say, well, this company, what they'll do is they'll do analytics and they create a nice report and they send it to a media agency and then they know whether to invest in that site or not. That doesn't resonate mm. with, with your um, average person or any person, any sensible person. Yeah, no one would understand that. <laughs> yeah, so um, how, when it's such a confusing area, mm. even when you work in it, it's so confusing. Oh, yeah, the I'm lo- still confused. The, the Loomascape that has hundreds and hundreds of these companies that no one knows what they do. There are some, some obvious names in there, Google, Facebook, Twitter, etc. But most of them, they're hugely important to some parts of the ecosystem, but they're the ones who lost out because it's hard for them to prove their value and to get consent. Mm. Although having said that, it's easier for them now because, as I said, a lot of websites are giving a nod towards consent, but they're not actually giving the customer a choice because it's either accept or if you decline, you have to go into this other like dark world where they, they say, right, what about this publisher? What about this exchange? What do you think about them? And no one wants to go, say, go through a long list and be yeah. like, yes, that one, no, that one. It's, yeah. So basically when you do, when you accept you're not really you're not very informed about what you're actually accepting one sentence saying do you consent to cookies yes or no and the no takes you into this like hell of like i don't understand what these words mean and accept is a massive green button declines kind of a dark gray it's there's as i say it's efforts have been made towards the gdpr but i don't think that the spirit of it has been accepted by that many um publishers or websites and some um have gone so far i think it was npr's website where they 
said if you declined, you could basically get a plain text version of their website. And that is absolutely against the regulations. Actually, it says you cannot penalise people who don't want to opt in to, yeah. to marketing. Of course. So. But then uh, accepting cookies that then pass data to these small third parties, it's very different from someone hounding you on the phone, constantly calling yeah. you all hours of the day. And thank God I haven't got a landline because I'd be absolutely ruined. Apparently, years ago, <laughs> I just, maybe I put my website in once and forgot to tick the box. But then there's some very, very nice things about GDPR. Like, so the now um, the default is I do not consent. You have to tick a box. Yeah, you have but to actually consciously consent. Exactly. Right? So there are some things. I mean, GDPR is it's a long time coming. It's only in, in the EU, but I mean, America have been thinking about it as well yeah. because they have the same issues that we do. And of course, if you are a company operating in America but with European customers, you have to understand GDPR and be aware of it because if you have a presence in Europe, it doesn't matter that you're based in America, the EU can still come down on you. But the US government is still is seeing um, GDPR and, and e-privacy, hopefully learning from the good parts of it and avoiding the, the more bad parts of it. But it's it's needed. The, it needs to be regulated because you have all these bad players in the market. But it also requires everyone to actually everyone being the big tech companies the publishers etc to understand that this needs to happen and lean into it rather than just doing the bare minimum and hoping that someone else gets the blame yeah for someone else gets the fine yes the fine is what's oh, the, it's big it's, is it 10 percent of the revenue, revenue. Yeah. yeah not profits but revenue, yeah, revenue. I mean, oh my god <laughs> you'll be having some shiny offices <laughs> if one of them comes in yeah. you think that would change with brexit though Oh, so once Brexit comes in, I'm sure that we'll go, I'll get straight back to having all these, well, again, like these calls have come back, but I'm sure that <laughs> like 15 calls a day from uh, people saying, you have a road accident. Um, yeah, I don't imagine that anyone in, in the UK is following GDPR or obeying it because they love the principle. It's more because, you know, the EU says we have to, the big bad EU. I imagine that if Brexit happens, that there will be a mass exodus away from cookie consent that will go back to the Wild West that it used to be. Mm. I mean, there's no real benefit to a, a company, even like a company like Google, to follow GDPR, apart from the fact that it's right for the customer, which is why Google's lent in so heavily and we're very hot on privacy and user mm-hmm. consent. But um, if you just take from a marketing point of view, it's, it's awful. Yeah. But then that's not the full story. The story should be, marketing view is this but as a consumer what do i want i mean as i fully support gdpr as a consumer yeah it's annoying that i might have less cookies in my audience pool but um it's still not enough to make me think that gdpr is a bad thing yeah it's a bad thing yeah exactly because it's all about the user experience as well isn't it completely yeah and then i think we should all be committed to that especially you know if you, if you want to create a sustainable business, you don't want to alienate your customers. I mean, I think we've all had experiences where you, an ad has annoyed you so much that you've then made a conscious decision never to shop with them again. Yeah, true. So is that an, an ideal? Absolutely not. If, mm. if I, I um, even not a retail website, any websites, and I see them everywhere, in fact, some of my clients, my agency clients, I visit their website and then they target me with ads. It makes me hate them a little bit. Yeah, I know. Like it's this, but it's improved a lot, I have to say. From like about three or four years ago, I remember like just looking at something on oh, website yeah. X, and then that ad following me all like everywhere I went. Yeah. Uh, which is now I learned like that's there's some something called frequency cap. 
Yeah, it'd be lovely if we use them, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Which means that you can't really bombard your users um, yeah. as many times as possible. But yeah, even after you purchase something, they still, I remember, they still used to push you with the same products. So they already bought it. Just I think that's the only thing is that people use <laughs> this technology in a really crude and often ill-thought-out way. So if I bought a pair of shoes... Don't sell me the same pair of shoes. Like, sell me a pair of trousers that look good with it or sell me some leather protector. Yeah, exactly. Make it worthwhile. I mean, I, I was actually talking to, to my boss about this the other day. We are both absolute suckers for highly targeted Instagram ads. <laughs> Things like, I've got a kid. Be like, oh, a uh, beach towel that repels sand. That speaks to me. Yeah. Not, oh, um, you're a woman aged 18 to 35, so here's a pregnancy test. That is... Is that what we want? That's that's the crude advertising. I mean, to be fair to P and G, who have those uh, clear blue ads, it's worked extremely well for them. But I find that much less appealing than a personalised ad. But people have used personalisation so poorly that we've ended up with the world hating them when actually done well. You won't even notice it. It's exactly. But that's the, that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Yeah. But then there is, I mean, everyone talks about personalization. And we've been talking about personalization for years, I would say. But no one is really doing it right. Oh, no. I don't say. Not proper personalization. Not proper personalization, no. Um, but it, it, there is still a lot of work to do to get there. However, if people, like, there is a kind of this... Um, we are balanced between personalization and creepiness, right? When they actually yeah. even know so much about you that, you know, oh my God, I actually am trying to get pregnant and you know all of this. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's really creepy, isn't it? And there's some sensitivity as well. So um, I was reading an article about a lady who tragically lost her baby and she was getting hounded by ads thinking, oh, now your baby must be one month old. Here's things we can oh, push for you. There's, there's some, a really bad side of it. Mm. But there's also, as you say, like, that's not personalization as well that's very crude like you are a woman aged between certain parts you must want a baby mm. maybe not <laughs> there are signals which google's all about of like i'm showing signals that i'm researching things I and mean, if, if i'm researching a crib a, a cot i'm probably gonna have a baby that's a safe bet but the fact that because i'm a person of a certain age yeah i mean i used to i used to love it when i worked um, in my last job which was dentsu aegis where because at work my work computer all I do is look at my clients' websites. And at the time I had Santander and General Motors. Then uh, Google thought I was a man. So all I'd get were, I'd, I'd get, I'd ignore the ads. They'd be like, oh, you know, I'd try to think of a lot of manly ads without being hugely sexist. It would be promoting things that I had zero interest in. Often it would be cars and finance. They were my clients. That wasn't my hobby. And that, so that was nice because it was so anti-me. But um, the problem is, is that if I'm visiting a website that um seen as like a female website let's say Vogue for example they're going to know or assume correctly that I'm a woman but then I'm going to get targeted with ads that are not relevant to me mm. and even the personalization that Vogue layers on now is probably irrelevant to me mm. as you say a true personalization experience is very different it's very hard for me to even think of any examples of, of when we've seen this we talk about it all the time and mm. this absolutely ideal world where It'd be an ad where they know that you've been on holiday to four different destinations and here's a fifth one that you've never thought of. It'd be perfect for you. Yeah. And here's the package all laid out, one click and you can buy it. That's the dream. The reality is you're going to be showing the same crappy Mallorca ads you've been seeing for, for five years. And <laughs> it's very difficult to get, because it's working as well, unfortunately. It's well, mm. working in inverted commas. Companies see it as successful because they're generating sales off it. But if they could truly embrace personalization, mm. then... You think is is a technical restriction? Is because the tech is not there yet, or yeah. is just because of the 
business process inside the organization? I think it's a bit of both. Okay. Um, yeah, the tech infrastructure at the moment doesn't support that personalization utopia. Mm. But also, I think there's a lack of interest or even like a reason to care within the company because, as I say, things have gone well. So, Critio, um, or Shitio, as I call them, well, I should name them, right? I should just call them Shitio again. They are hugely successful because um, clients see them as successful. What they'll do, I mean, they have been accused of cookie bombing, where they basically just like, everyone's got a Critio cookie in their browser, whether they know it or not. So sales that are made completely unconnected to them have been attributed back to Critio. And that's the problem is that because senior execs and companies and advertisers see this, they're like, why would we change the model when it's working so well? They care less about the user experience because customers don't know what good looks like. They don't know what to ask for. I say ask for, not with their words, but with their actions. Yeah. So people, if people keep responding to these shit ads or if companies keep just cookie bombing people's browsers, so even though I might never have even seen your ad, it was called viewability, it might have been way below the fold. If that cookie's on my browser, I then find this company by chance, then this crappy ad gets the credit when actually it was completely unrelated. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean attribution's going some way to helping you. I think tools like Google Analytics, Adobe, and the like, they do help people make more informed studies of what's happening. But that's still quite a small part of a company. So yeah. the nerds, the data scientists, they're going, actually, I know you think this works, but the lifetime value of this customer is very low compared to ones who have this personalized experience. But because everyone's going for the low-hanging fruit, that the data scientist is put back into his little nerd box and they carry on talking about the things <laughs> that have worked forever. And it's, yeah. So it, yeah. it, it all takes, like, it's very difficult to say what will create change. Mm. hopefully e-privacy I think that's, I feel bad saying that as well because e-privacy worked very well for companies like Google for companies like Facebook because we have this footprint of logged in users people want to share data with us because they see a value yeah. from it a lot of the the bit players who do a fantastic job are going to be hit very hard by they've been hit hard by GDPR but e-privacy can probably wipe out even more companies mm. but until someone shows what good is then again why would anyone care about the fact these companies are being wiped out they don't see the value in them mm-hmm. actually there's a, there's a huge amount of value if you dig deep but as i say your average person has no need to they should be expected to understand how the ad in- infrastructure and ecosystem works it's so esoteric and confusing that it's no wonder that people would rather click decline and not have to go through that yeah that so when is it e- e- privacy happening god knows uh, okay. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's gone through many, many drafts. I think GDPR was quite late as well because I mean the EU gets its critics, of course, aha, uh-huh, Brexit. But um, they do listen to criticism, and mm-hmm. a lot of feedback is provided and also taken into consideration. So I don't know. I mean, at first it was floated for later this year, but that seems mm-hmm. hugely unlikely. So probably you know, one of those things where six months before it happens, every company in the world would be like, shit, we just, just like GDPR as well. It's been in the works for, for years, like five years, I think. And in, in the last like week before, some companies were like, so I have to do something? I don't understand. And that's when the lawyers started to make the money. I mean, the joke is the only people who benefit for GDPR are the lawyers. The customer doesn't benefit. <laughs> the advertisers certainly don't benefit. But I think e-privacy is more of the same. Yeah. Hopefully the users will benefit from it. Well, yeah, but you think that about GDPR as well. I yeah. thought I'd get, not get these fucking phone calls that I constantly get. But <laughs> here they are again. And, I know. Because they know that like, they kind of hid behind a rock and they saw that it was safe again. So they've emerged, these snakes, to, <laughs> to ruin my phone experience. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. That was. I think it was really insightful and useful. Thank you. Am I actually? Am I asking a last question? And well, it's okay if you don't want to answer it or can't answer it. But is there any? Because a lot of our listeners are designers or creatives or UX designers, like building products at the moment. Is there anything, any considerations that these guys need to um, have to safeguard user data? So, what what recommendations you would you give them when they're doing their jobs uh, from you know, um, the understanding of the user, going through the design process, launching a product, through to the advertising. So what kind of recommendations you give them to them to be alert and say, this is actually not right? I think it's cliched, but have the user in mind when you design. So think to yourself, okay, right, so I need user data for this. Why? For them or for you? Mm -hmm. And if it's for you, what benefit does it give back to the user? If you're collecting data because, oh, it allows me to sell more stuff, that is not for the user, that's for you. Mm -hmm. If it's because it allows you to provide the user with a better experience and hopefully to connect them with products that will be a benefit to them, that's easier. So just have in mind that the interest of the consumer, the user, should be at the heart. And it's an obvious thing to say, but really that's why marketing companies have been hit hard by this because you have no reason to collect data beyond your own interest and when you dig deep and you admit that to yourself then you're going to have a a better user experience and you're not collecting data for the sake of it you're collecting it to generally genuinely make the the world a better place yeah oh what does an amazing (laughs) (laughs) okay thank you so much again and hope to uh, i mean i'm definitely going to book another uh, interview with you after e-privacy it might take six months to get in the diary but we'll do it yeah so probably be in like two years time or something but that's okay (laughs) okay thank you thanks Carla search and subscribe to Design Untangled using your favourite podcast app and leave us a review follow us on the web at designuntangled.co.uk or on Twitter at Design Untangled become a better designer with online mentoring at uxmentor.me